following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. It's draft week. My favorite sporting event that Dan doesn't classify as a sporting event. But that's okay because I still love it and that's I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, it's a business meeting. One it's giant not, not a business sporting, transaction. Yeah, it's not a sporting event. There's it's no a, game played. It has to do with sports so and it's an event. It's a collective bargaining agreement. They don't televise that shit. No, I, I heard your comments here today, so I had to. Jab of course, I'm like, that's fine. Like favorite sporting event. Yeah, it's a sporting event. Yes, it is. It's, Come it's, on, it's man. an event, and it deals with sports. It's a sporting event. All right, we are back. Thank you for listening, downloading. We are uh, a little bit early because the high school baseball season has crossed over with the football season. I'm getting my second COVID shot, and I expect to be knocked on my ass. Uh, but as Coach O told me this week, he's he goes or, and I said I could just drag my ass up and get it to the press box and he goes bingo Mm -hmm. so he's (laughs) expecting me to show up even if i'm just doused in sweat with like a cold rag on my forehead day man it's that's what you got to do so we're gonna do that i'm i i said this morning uh i'm scheduled to go down and and watch the first round with with michael we used to do it all the time we are the biggest draft nerds that we know in our immediate circle and i've never seen his house down in uh, in Chicago since he and his wife bought it, and he's got two kids. And if I go all the way down there, and I this has always been a thing when I've gone down to Chicago, I'm just dreading the pick, not for who they could potentially take, but trading out, and I did all that for nothing. Yeah, yeah. For the Packers. Well, that's, Which, that's, that's the curse of is. just rooting for such a wonderfully a successful Fantastic team. organization oh, that they are, absolutely. All right, so uh, we'll get to uh, our man Lauren Cox and get some Bears thoughts. Um, yeah, he's he's good, man. He knows his stuff. Yes, and he, and, and, and he is connected, so we'll, we'll touch base with him. I, I've, I've looked at a couple of mock drafts. I'm going to have to go buy, honestly, one of those draft magazines that's next to the um, – to the naked mags down yeah. down at the gas station because I mean between you know paying for so much stuff online and oh, so many sources now of like breakdowns and bios and you know whatever it's like I just need one thing that I can look at and flip through the pages to get to because I and I maybe it's my schedule or what but I haven't been doing that much diligence I mean I've <laughs> I just find it laughable that. People still think, and I know they're just doing their job, and the past has nothing to do with the present, but people that still think that the Packers are going to take a wide receiver in the first round. I just I just don't. Well, there's certainly nothing that would guarantee that. Right. I mean. At all. But no. is it possible? Yeah, but for all the times. As, as possible as it is that they take a, a left guard. Right. It's, you know. Same it possibility. Is, but it's just so funny because that's always been what people have been crying for, and they never do it. And now all of a sudden you get these, like, yeah, this is the year they finally pull the trigger. Well, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. You know, it's 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 just one of those things. Um, 
So I'll, I'll, I'll be curious. I don't know what the Packers are going to do. I, I reached out to Jason Wildy, see if he'd come on um, a little bit earlier this week uh, over on the radio station to kind of talk. He's He kind of grants me about 10 minutes every year to talk some Packers stuff and, and positions of need. I mean, it's I think it's clear that they need some secondary stuff because I don't think they're going to keep Kevin King. They just got him on a one-year deal back. We already talked about that. Um, you know, the linebacker. They haven't had any good inside linebackers in a long time. And A.J. Hawk was good. And, and Michael and I, Michael brought this up. What's the highest draft pick that you could well, ever remember the Packers taking? And it was five yeah. when they had A.J. Hawk. And, and, and A.J. Hawk, I think, always got a bad rap from Packer fans because they were too hung up on he was the fifth pick. Right. If he would have been the 17th pick, people would have looked and gone, that was an awesome, right. awesome Packer career. Right. Because he was the fifth pick, you expect him to be Lawrence Taylor. Right. And he was just never going to be that guy. But he, but was, he was a really good player for a long time. He was a, a really time. good player, and he was yeah. hardly ever hurt, rarely missed a game. Yeah. I mean, if ever. So it's like, yeah, you, I, I think you're. I think you you hit that on the head. That happens. That he got a bad rap. It, it, it's part of it's part of the reason Trubisky failed so miserably with the Bears is because he was the number two pick in the draft, right. and everybody was like, "Well, you have to be a superstar," and you know, he just was never going to be that guy. No, absolutely not. So I'll be curious to see what they do. I mean, I don't think they need a pass rusher, but. Every sometimes when they have a slew of them, they take the best guy on the board, and I don't know whether that's going to happen this year. So I mean, they're everybody's doing their you know position by position, and I have you know it's going to be probably about twenty four forty eight hours beforehand where I'm really going to delve into the stuff. But I'm just kind of curious. So I would um, be very surprised if they took a wide receiver at that spot unless it was somebody who dropped to them. That they're surprised that he's there because I think if they are, if you know these these organizations are very concerned with perception. Oh, big time! By taking a wide receiver who might not be the best guy on the board, you are kind of admitting to your fan base that you fucked up last year. So unless it's Perriman from Minnesota or one of these, you know, mid to late later first round wide receivers drops to them, I don't see them reaching for a receiver just to appease a fan base that's still hung up on last year's draft. Right. You know what I mean? And for some of the stuff that I've seen, whether it's the dude from Minnesota um, or anybody else that I think they've been linked to, the commonality that I've seen among all these guys is that he immediately steps in and he's the number two guy behind Devontae Adams. Yeah, but they always do do that in these grades. I mean, the chances of, you know – other than last year, which was the wide receiver draft, right. most wide receivers don't do shit their first year. Correct. Yes. And, you know? and, and I mean, whether they're the first-round guy or yeah. a sixth-round guy I mean, or whatever. They're, they're, they're okay, right. but they're usually like, you know, 40-catch, 550-yard guys. You know, Jefferson last year was an exception to the rule. He was an anomaly. He was like, yes. oh, he was like Moss years ago right. where it was like they step in and they're the best guy. But, wow, most of the time that position – it's not like running back where you can get a rookie running back that runs for 12, 1,300 yards. Right. That's not too shocking. You, but you can give him the ball all you want. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a completely different thing. It's you know, it's not about route running. It's not about you know getting good on your break and you know do getting separation, doing all that right. stuff. That is a learned process as you go. I think that's a little bit develop, different. You have to develop a, a, with the quarterback. Yes. You don't as a running back. He just turns it around and gives it to you. Right. And how often, if you're a rookie running back, are you getting snaps right out of the gate with the ones 
probably not too often. I mean, you're going to see some balls, but then again, if you do something wrong or you drop a couple, you're not probably seeing it for a while then. Right. So that's really hard to do when training camp comes. So and I and and again I'll be really curious. Some of these guys might not get some time because all this offseason stuff nobody's reporting. Some people are going to do it virtually because they didn't do any of it yeah, last year. I saw year. the Packers are all virtual, right? Yeah. So they they they're, they're going to do the first half up until I think the middle of May and then they're going to make a decision on the second half, but you got what did I see over the course of a week like 10 12 teams said we're not reporting. We're just not doing that because we didn't do it last year and look and look, now what's happening, well, and, and we're adding another game. And that's interesting, because I wondered, you know, I think we both did last year um, how this was going to translate going forward, because the players are going to go to their reps into their ages, and they're going to go, wait a minute, we don't really need to be there 10 months out of the year. The six months is just fine. Right. Right. You know, we can we can uh, do all our do, stuff do on all ourselves. This, you know, we can get the virtual playbooks and go back to we our can colleges. Zoom, we can have a Zoom meeting yep. of the quarterbacks. Yep. We don't need to do all this, you know, in person stuff. Well, and how often do you hear about players from different teams working together at like a local college wherever they live? Right, like they got together and did a workout and ran some routes and threw some ball, you know, and did that kind of stuff. So it's not like they're just. Doing nothing. Well, that, it, it, it ain't Paul, it ain't Paul Horning going to roof houses in the in the <laughs> off season and Max McGee trying to be an insurance salesman or something like. <laughs> these guys play year round now. They their bodies are you know Olympic level trained. It, it it's just it is what it is. <laughs> all right, let's uh, while we're at it. That's I, I mean that's really all I have on the Packers. I don't have an idea. I mean we're doing this on a Monday. Draft is on Thursday, and we got a lot in between. So I, I mean, I don't really have an idea or a or a prediction about what they're going to do. I just, again, I think it's always that I just hope they don't trade out. That's that's all I'm hoping. I hope they make a pick there, even after last year's debacle. Um, I'm just hoping they make a pick, no matter what it is. So. Um, do you want to talk some Bears? Yeah, I mean, we won't have to do a lot because Lauren hits on, on a lot of it in our interview with him. But, um, you know, a lot of I've seen a lot of talk of the Bears are sitting at 20, and depending on how the quarterbacks sh- shake out here in the first, you know, five to eight picks, you know, is this a possibility for the Bears to trade up and get one of these guys? I kind of hope they don't. Okay. I, I, I just... I don't think that this regime deserves another kick at the quarterback position in the draft. Um, Do you think they'll try to atone? Well, I for think that, that sort I of think stuff? that would be the argument to their to their bosses was right. like, look, we got to make good the on Trubisky this. thing. It didn't work, but we still made the playoffs twice. So if we do get it to work this time, God, we're we're going to go to the moon. <laughs> um, the the question <laughs> remains. You know, I think if they traded up, it would be for Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Um, the question is, do you trade up? Do you trust this regime to trade up for a kid who played nobody and who, from the scouts that I've listened to, say he's got a rocket for an arm, but every ball he throws is a rocket? He does not know how to throw a, a touch, touch pass. pass. Um, so, you know. Can you rein that back? Elway used to be that way. Favre was kind of that way. Can you rein that back? 
eh, I wouldn't say either one of those guys were known for their touch passes. Right. You kind of are what you are. Right. So didn't, do you want to take that leap? Right. Didn't float one out in space. Or do you want to trade up for a kid in fields who is coming from a program who traditionally the quarterbacks have not panned out in the pros? Correct. That style does not necessarily translate. And there's some there's some flags. There's, uh, what is it, some epileptic issues that have been disclosed with fields. Why the why this drop? What happened between the middle of the college football season and now where you went from the hands-down number two, possibly number one and pick, to now maybe not even being in the top ten and, it's, and being the fifth QB? It's weird how that works with another player who has been like a a late a mid to late round guy and who's now looking at going in the top three. You know, yeah. Lord, I mean Lauren Jones. Yeah, yeah. Lauren will touch on that uh it's just on that weird. In a second. It's it's, it's, it's it was, very odd. Well we talked about it briefly last week, I think. It's just one of those things like is it all bullshit? Is this just all the smoke and mirrors that these teams and these agents throw out there and at the end of, of Thursday night it goes Lawrence Wilson Fields or Lawrence Fields Wilson, some combination of those three, and we're all just sitting around going, "What? What did we just waste the last?" I mean, I saw Wilbon talking about this the other day, and he was even ripping ESPN about it. He's like, "All this stuff that the NFL talks about on their shows in the offseason, he goes, it's all bullshit. It's all manufactured. Ninety five percent of it." ain't real and doesn't matter. It's because it's the offseason yeah. and they need people to still pay attention to their league and, and in the they face do a of good competition. Job. They do a good job of it. Oh, but, for sure. But, you know, I wake up every morning and I throw on the TV when I'm eating a banana and having my orange juice and I've got Get Up on or or if I have the Fox show on, whatever it is, they're always talking about the same shit every day. It's football, football, football. Uh, a little bit of LeBron, a little bit of NBA stuff, but then football, 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 football. It's nuts. Even though it's been over for a couple months. Yeah. And it's going to be not in season for a couple more months. But just stay at 20 or trade back. I think we've talked many times this team's not one guy away. Right. Unless it's the quarterback. Um, but I just think they need to accumulate more players. Um, there's nobody in this draft that I think in the next two to three years is going to challenge Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for supremacy in the in the division. And if you can't win your division... You're not really a Super Bowl contender. I know Tampa last year won the Super Bowl and didn't win the division. That was a little bit different. Right. Um, but I don't know. I just hope the Bears don't don't bear it up. <laughs> okay. All right. We've had some connection problems trying to get him on, but uh, we, uh, we have hooked up, and we are uh, going to be joined uh, by Lauren Cox uh, right now with some deeper Bears thoughts. Pleased to be joined as we were. Did we talk to him last year, I think, for this I think it was last year, yeah. Yeah. Lauren Cox from the Locked on Bears podcast. Uh, He's on Twitter. He follows uh, Chicago Bears topics, and he knows a lot of people at Hallis Hall. He's scouted players. He dives into a lot of this stuff, and uh, he's going to be watching the NFL draft just as hard as as anybody uh, who is that in-depth and involved. Lauren, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing well, and you're, you're right. It's like, was that last year or was that two years ago? Because they all just kind of blend together the last 12 months or so. But I appreciate you guys having me back on. Well, absolutely. I know that uh, Dan has talked glowingly of the Bears in the last <laughs> couple of years of this podcast, and uh, he has one question right out of the gate, which I will let him lead off with. What? 
thanks for hopping back on again, Lauren. Appreciate it. But what the hell's going on down there? <laughs> I mean, I know that's a pretty open-ended question, but good. Like, how, how are Pace and Nagy still there? You got two guys at the top, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. And, you know, they they seem to believe that playoff appearance, even in an 8-8 eight and eight season, is success. And that's a, you know, not, not a perfect season that they want better, but that, that is acceptable, I guess, up to this point. And that, you know, nothing is locked in long term, but... You know, when you once you start to kind of work with these people for a long time and get to know them, and you feel like, you know, your general manager is the guy who knows what's going on. Some things haven't gone his way, but they haven't been his fault necessarily. And you know, he's making you know you like the process, that the decision making along the way, and if the results haven't been the same, but you like the process, and so you feel like you keep going through the process, but eventually those results keep adding up to not enough, and something's got to give. Yeah, it seems like. You know, and and I, everything that I've heard and read echoes pretty much everything you just said about the hierarchy with the Bears, and you know the it's like a a sense of complacency of just making the playoffs, and it's something that you and I Goldberg have gotten into about the Packers, this complacency of just being in the mix yep. and not being you know willing to take that extra step to to be a Super Bowl contender. Um, obviously, the Bears decided to part ways with Trubisky and have replaced him with the red rocket, Andy Dalton. Um, that has not gone over well. I'm sure you've, you've heard from many, many bears fans through your podcast that that can't have gone over well. No. And it's interesting because we keep hearing, you know, I think ESPN's Adam Schefter has come out and talked about it. NFL networks. Ian Rappaport says too, that like, you know, around NFL circles, Andy Dalton is viewed as a, you know, a solid starting quarterback. And I mean, I guess in the same vein that Nick Foles it could be viewed, you know, in that same kind of reign, like they're not the exact same quarterback, but they feel like they're in a lot of the same style or the same tier. This, this idea that if you give Andy Dalton or, or Nick Foles or a list of 15 other similar styles of quarterbacks, if you give them a good running game, some strong wide receivers, a protective offensive line, and then a defense that can do its part, you know, you can win eight, nine, ten games and go to the playoffs with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, and that's that's great. And you know, Nick Foles has been hot enough to go on a Super Bowl run and win the MVP of the Super Bowl, right? Like, like that's that's the ceiling there, and it is in some sense achievable. But the problem is, I think you have Chicago with this somewhat naive belief that this roster is still a quarterback away. Like they just feel like if if they can just improve there just a little bit more, that they're going to be able to go with that next step. And for me, that overlooks some real structural issues elsewhere on this depth chart that are going to lead them to another, you know, seven, eight win season this year and probably not a playoff appearance after 17 games and a change in front office and head coach. Do you think when the defensive coordinator took off and said, I'm done with this, do you think that he didn't share that view of the top brass where it's like, I don't know what you guys are looking at, but from my chair, if this was a contender and were like a player or a quarterback or two away from, you know, really competing and getting to be at the top of the division and then possibly competing for the Super Bowl, wouldn't you think that he would stick around? So isn't aren't there some like mis- mixed messages there in what's being said and what's actually being done? I think the 
defensive coordinator change then might not have that same dynamic in play. I, I think it's a little bit of a unique situation with Vic Fangio leaving for the Broncos. You know, first of all, I mean, it's tough for any coordinator to pass up a head coaching job in general, but also for Vic Fangio. You know, he is on the older side of NFL coaches. He's in his 60s, and he has wanted to be a head coach for a long time. And he's been a defensive coordinator for a decade and has gotten a couple of interviews, but never really got a lot of like great opportunities to go take over his own team. And so I feel like it was going to be pretty hard pressed to keep him in Chicago. I mean, if they had won a Super Bowl in 2018, you know, does that change things? You know, maybe, but I, I think this was a guy who felt like this was his only window in his whole career to get a head coaching job somewhere else. And so I think he was pretty much going to take that at least some opportunity, no matter what. And then I don't know that he's going to be honest with, the organization on the way out because, I mean, if you're going to be a head coach of a competitive team, you don't want the Bears to figure out what's wrong. So, you know, you're not going to sit there and say, hey, I'm leaving, but you guys fucked this up and I'm going to just get out of here immediately. Like, you know, like he doesn't want them to correct their mistakes because he might as well have them at a lower level as, as they move on to, you know, he moves on somewhere else and wants to beat them down the road. But I guess I was more referred to whoever the last guy was, and his his name escapes me. But he, I mean, he retired Chuck at Pagano. the yeah Pagano. Oh, I mean, well, he retired at the end of the season, and if if he's thinking that he can come back and really get a chance to coach a team that's that close to competing, would you still retire? The thinking is that that retirement choice might not have been a hundred percent his. Gotcha. That there was, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he would probably still be coaching somewhere if he really didn't want to retire. But there was some thought that perhaps the Bears wanted to move on anyway, and but they didn't want to fire him because he is a respected coach and he has been a former head coach. And he was he's the players really like him. He's just he's fallen behind a little bit in terms of keeping up with what modern defenses are doing, and more so, I guess, keeping up with what modern offenses are doing to attack defenses. And he's a little bit behind in the trends in that regard to where the Bears feel like they're I don't know if they're guaranteed to get an upgrade by moving up from, but they feel like they can they can perhaps have some uh, some brighter futures there defensively with a different guy calling the shot. All right, talking to Lauren Cox, you can uh, find him on Twitter at Cox Sports One. He hosts the daily Locked On Bears podcast. So let's talk a little draft. Um, this is kind of shaping up to be the quarterback draft. It looks like we we might have as as many as five of them go in the top. Even maybe eight, but certainly ten. Um, just kind of your thoughts on these guys. I know there's been a lot of movement around. Kind of, you know, Lawrence and Wilson are kind of penciled in one, two, but the other three, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields, have kind of been jacking around. What What are your general thoughts on those guys? And and then tying it back to the Bears, of course, is is there one of those guys that's worthy of of going up and maybe trying to grab? Yeah, so of course, like you said, Lawrence and Wilson are, are pretty much locked in one and two, and it's not much. There's not much more to say there. I mean, I, I I'm not sold as on Zach Wilson being far and away better than the other options, and I think that's part of this draft conversation that hasn't happened that much this season. Is like as soon as we assumed that was the pick, it hasn't really been scrutinized that much. But if, if there's one that's going to bust right there, that that would be the one I circle first, just because when you start applying a little bit more scrutiny to that. You can start to peel away a little bit the same way that we've been doing now with Justin Fields from Ohio State and Mac Jones from Alabama more so. And you know, as soon as the 49ers traded up, it was all the hype was like, oh, all of a sudden they're trading up for Mac Jones from Alabama. And 
in the weeks and months before that, we were talking about Mac Jones as like a mid to late round first round pick. And the question was like, should the Bears take Mac Jones at 20 if he's there or is he worth the 20th overall pick? And then over the course of like a weekend when they made that trade, all of a sudden Mac Jones was locked in as a top five quarterback. And you know, that happened a little bit quicker than I think most of us would have thought. And it makes me wonder how much of that is legitimate. And maybe Mac Jones does fall back to where we kind of all thought he was before 49ers rumors kind of took that by storm. Because now, you know, the, the reporting, I think it was Adam Schefter from ESPN said that, well, now the 49ers are trying to decide between Mac Jones and Trey Lance that they were pretty sure they wanted one before and now they're up in the air. And that to me is just complete garbage that a team trades up to number three and the week of the draft, and they're not sure anymore which of the two guys. Now, when they trade up to three, they knew exactly who they were going to draft with that spot. And that doesn't change a month into the NFL draft process. So it's probably going to be Trey Lance from North Dakota State at this point. And then, you know, I think Mac Jones has some potential to fall. I think Justin Fields has some real potential to fall, too. Even though I really don't think he should, I think he's probably the second best quarterback in this draft class. I think he is incredibly accurate. He's a great decision maker, a great processor, and he's a good athlete, but he's a pocket passer first. He is the Matt Nagy quarterback in this draft, the one that is absolutely built for what the Chicago Bears would want out of their quarterback in an ideal scenario. And if he falls, you know, if he gets past the Lions at seven, the Panthers at eight, and then maybe the Broncos at nine, that's where I'm jumping up. You know, I, I, I mean, I would consider going higher than that, but that's kind of the, the last line of quarterback defense. Cause then it's like the Patriots at 15, the Washington football team at 19 are your sort of obstacles there. And Bill Belichick doesn't seem like quite the guy to go up and make that kind of a splash move for a quarterback. I mean, it's just not necessarily his MO. So that's kind of the range I'm keeping an eye on, but I think there's a chance for things to play out differently than a lot of the narratives have said up to this point, just because a lot of the hype got manufactured rather quickly. And I'll be curious to see if everything that leaks out about Justin Fields actually pushes him down, or if there is a team in the top 10 that really, really covets him and have just been leaking some of that stuff to try and get him to get down to their pick. Yeah. Your, your Zach Wilson comments are kind of funny. I, I heard, this morning, uh, Tim Hasselbeck compared him to Jay Cutler and then tried to justify it in a good way. And I was like, if that's your comp, I'm not sure you want to take him second. But, um, you know, I'm certainly not a not a draft guru like like uh, some of these guys are. So I, I guess I don't know. But um, let's say the Bears stay pat. I mean, what are you looking at uh, position wise? I've seen wide receiver. I've seen defensive back. Uh, maybe some old line help. Um, where, where do you where do you see him going if they if they stay at twenty? Yeah, those are the big three, and the, the Bears are in kind of a a pivotal spot in the first round as far as kind of the rest of teams go. Where I, I think a lot of this draft class for me hinges on how the NFL feels about some of the edge rushers in particular, because there's a, there's a wide range of you know of evaluations on equity pay from Michigan, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. And then there are two kids from Miami, uh, Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau. And the bears are, are not in the market to draft an edge rusher in the first round. So if, if one or two or three of those guys can go before the bears pick, that's going to push down the offensive linemen and the cornerbacks and maybe the wide receivers that are in that, you know, mid first round range and give the bears a better selection of guys that they could covet at positions where they have, a little bit more of a need. And there's always that debate between need and best player available. But for me, it's, it's more of a long-term need than opposed to like 
I need to draft a guy for year one because it's just not a smart team building strategy to put to rely on your rookies all the time to be the best players that they can be in their first season. So they should have a pretty good selection of like, you know, a couple of potential starting right tackles, maybe a couple of decent wide receiver twos to complement with Allen Robinson and a couple of guys that can be a long-term answer at cornerback to replace Kyle Fuller, in, you know, perhaps in a year or two, because they did sign Desmond Trufant to be that veteran fill in there. And I think it's, it's not a bad place to be. And it, it leaves the door open to potentially trade down. If you feel like you got, you know, four or five guys that you would like at 20, then you could probably still get the same one at 25. If you move down and pick up a third round pick or something in that mix. So it's, it's not a bad spot to be in. And I think they should be able to get, an impact player at a, a position of a fairly significant need in the first round. And then you, know, you can swing around in the second and get another offensive lineman or fill that offensive line spot. Like I think there's, there's enough depth at all those positions of need too, where it would, no matter which one you take in the first round, you can probably still get a decent one at a different position in the second round and check all your boxes just in whatever order you might want. All right. Again, Lauren Cox on Twitter at Cox sports one. He does the locked on bears podcast. Um, have you been in touch with anybody that uh, that covers the Packers in in their team circles? Or are you paying attention to anything that's going on in Green Bay? Or do you have any other just kind of random uh, draft thoughts as uh, the big day approaches for the first round on Thursday? Yeah, no, I think Green Bay's in a decent spot at the bottom of the first round to get. You know, again, it's it's almost a little bit of a similar conversation with the Bears in terms of. Uh, impact offensive tackle or, uh, you know, certainly a wide receiver has been in that conversation. And then <laughs> yeah. linebacker as well is the, uh, is the other one there. And, you know, I, if I'm Green Bay, if, if there's one of them in particular that I'm, I'm really keen on, I, I would be looking to move up a few spots to make sure, you know, whether it's Samuel Cosme from Texas or, you know, if somehow Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, the right tackle, he falls down. I mean, that would be a, a great fit to go up and help them out. But, you know, there's a couple of athletic linebackers really in that nice spot. Or, you know, if you want Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from from Minnesota, he would be a great number two option there for Aaron Rodgers. Just an elite route runner. Not the biggest, not the fastest, but he just gets open consistently. I mean, I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers would want anything like that to go with Devontae Adams. So, like, you, you might have to move up to get somebody like Bateman, or you could you, know, you could stay down there where they at the bottom. And you know, there's guys like Elijah Moore from Ole Miss or Kadarius Tony from Florida that are more like the smaller speed guys. But if you want, like, you know, that's the thing. It's like you can stay where the Packers are and get get somebody you like at one of those positions. But if you want a specific, the specific guy, the the you know, the, the Rashad Bateman, the Samuel Cosby, the, the guy that you feel like this is the perfect fit, and not just you know, you want this wide receiver, and not just a wide receiver. You want this offensive tackle, and not just a offensive tackle. That's where you got to move up if you're Green Bay. But otherwise. I think you can afford to sit there and, and let the draft play out and still have, again, a pretty good selection of, of one of those guys. Because I think those are all positions of strength in this draft class, and that does line up well with the Packers' needs. All right, I saw, I think I looked at two mock drafts right away when I got to work today. I think one of them was from, from Pro Football Focus, and they had, I think, I don't know which one of the two, one of them had Bateman going like 12th, and then another one had him going in like the late 20s. So stuff is is kind of all over the board, and I'm I'm sure it's, some of it's like you know shooting darts at a board. How do you take in the draft? I mean, I'm I'm sure you got Twitter up, and you're talking to a lot of people. Do you prefer a particular network, or how do you generally? Um, what do you generally do on draft night to uh, soak that in? Yeah, it's it, it's me playing this cat and mouse game of do I look at the picks on Twitter right. ahead of time before I see them announced on my TV. So yeah, typically I'm, I'm following a little bit more along on TV. And then I think 
when the Bears pick is when I tend to try and stay off Twitter and experience that live as it happens. But otherwise, yeah, for me, it's, it's more so kind of keeping tabs on, you know, who's still on the board, who's falling. And, you know, especially in a draft like this, if the Bears are going to move up for quarterback or any of the quarterbacks falling, what order are they going? Are any of the offensive linemen falling? And who's kind of, who's going earlier than we expect? Because this is, this is a year more than any other that I think the media expectations and the mock drafts are probably going to be more wrong than ever because we've had no combine and because we just have had such little information, even compared to a regular year when we have not that much information in general, we have even less this year, especially with injuries where teams are still now not really sure what's going to happen injury-wise. So I'm expecting some pretty wild things, and, and that's wild in terms of players going a lot higher or lower than we're expected, and, and maybe fewer trades as a result because teams can't have as much conviction on like knowing that this is their guy that we got to go get because they just they can't be as sure with less information. So right. yeah, it's it's going to be a fun draft, and I'm 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 struggling with exactly how how to handle seeing the tips picked on Twitter and also wanting to see some of it live. But I, I tend to get more of my draft analysis from the people I know on social media than the guys doing it on TV, who I have a ton of respect for, but just, you know, I, I, I like the guys that I know and people that I you know, I've met personally and can, you know, vouch for them and the work that they do. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the NBA outlawed that with Woj because Woj was, was dropping yeah, the pick on Twitter. Yeah. They tried to do as best they can. I mean, He's trying. He's trying to get creative and skirt it. But yeah, you know, if you're watching the draft, kind of sucks that you could find out beforehand. But I guess you know, just stay off your phone, right? Just turn my phone off and don't (laughs) don't even bother. Well, uh, Mike Greenberg will be waiting for you on ESPN. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, switch over to the NFL Network for the first time ever in my history of watching the draft. So (laughs) you can enjoy, Mr. Greenberg. Greeny will be back and better than ever. Right. All right, Lauren, we will let you go. I think this will be the first draft where I, I say, I think this will be the first draft where I haven't had an active cable subscription. So I'm going uh, to have to get creative right. here and sure. uh, maybe use some, some not so legal sports sites. We'll see. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about that on a works. podcast of dozens of listeners. All right, Lauren, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Uh, you enjoy and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Hey, anytime. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, right. Lauren. Tell Russ, I'll see him on the course. <laughs> He'll mow the lawn for you. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> that is Lauren Cox. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Cox1Sports, and he does the Locked On Bears podcast. All kinds of general draft stuff, yeah. general draft thoughts. Dude is uh, he's the local guru. Dude does his homework. Yeah, I mean he he kind of eats and and sleeps and breathes the stuff when he's not doing the local news uh, for for the radio station. So good on him. Um, I mean he kind of talked. There, there wasn't much in the way of draft rumors, um, but I mean, I you know, all this stuff is coming out. The Falcons have said that they want to trade back and get get out of their pick. And now Julio read, Jones is out. I saw is, that is possibly on the table. And I read today the Lions general manager said that they might want to trade their pick at number seven because they're in complete rebuild mode and their their defense finished last. Um, and they're kind of starting over, I guess, with a with a new coach and all that. So it's like you know they're. The guy that eats, eat, what is it? He eats dynamite and spits tax, yes, or <laughs> something like that. I, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll be curious to see. This is kind of the most pre-draft deals that I think we've seen in a long time within the last month. It's been a lot of movement in the top ten teams getting picks and then shipping the pick. And I'll, I'll just be, I'll just be curious whether we see a lot more of the first round movement on Thursday night. 
or even in the 24 to 40 hours leading up to it? Because I, I'm, I'm sure that it's probably not done. Well, you got to figure if Atlanta trades for whoever they trade it to, they got to be taking a quarterback. quarterback. So the real draft kind of starts at five with the Bengals. and Because they for sure aren't going to take one. No. So do they go wide out, which they've been prone to do over the years? I read something today that I think Peter King wrote it like, you know, when whenever they've done this, they went like Collinsworth and a guy, and they went Tim McGee and a guy, and then they went Ocho Cinco and and Hushmanzada, and then they AJ Green, and so, so they kind of they kind of do this because they've got Higgins and they've yep. got Boyd, but you throw in um, the the kid from LSU that played with Burrow last year, uh, Chase, and um, you've got the two kids from Alabama right. sitting there as well. One of them, the Heisman guy, yeah. But the smart thing to do is just to take Sewell out of Oregon and just say, hey, we've already got a franchise quarterback who's already Keep blown his knee right. out right. we might want to protect him right. so depending on how that pick goes is really going to be interesting mm-hmm. because now it trickles down and like you said with Detroit you know you just um you've got a lot of money tied up in Jared Goff I know he may not be your guy for the future but do you want to pick another quarterback and and I know have you have to deal with that. You just that, got rid of Stafford, and you got this kid, and well, now you're not even going to show him anything by saying you're not even our guy for the next two or three or four right. years. Do you do you do that, or do you look and you do you go get him a weapon? Do you get him one of the other wide receivers? See what we can make of this guy. You know, yeah, I mean, maybe Miami. There's Kyle Pitts sitting there. Do they go <sighs> tight end? Do they go? It's just you know wide receiver. Just hearing the general manager talk and just how bad their defense was overall last year. I just can't imagine them going. I mean, they took the they took the corner last year, and I think he he didn't even play a full schedule. I mean, he had some injury problems, but you know, do you, it's one of those things where I feel like you could probably spend three fourths of your picks on defense just to try and improve the just the dumpster fire that 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 it was. Well, and it's kind of funny to even ask this question, considering from where you sit as a Packer fan. But, like, do you think some of these GMs get seduced into going, I got Tua, there's two Alabama quarter uh, wide receivers sitting here at six, and my fan base wants me to get Tua a weapon, Tua wants me to get him a weapon, should I take one of these wide receivers to appease all these people, or do I take the right pick? Right. The Packers have always been of the mindset, we just take the right pick. We don't care what anybody but thinks. But does that... Oh, does is that the way to go? You know, so it's it's an interesting. That's a really good question. It's an interesting dilemma that these GMs have to fight on draft night. You know, yeah, you, you know, if you're Miami and you're sitting there going, God, we could get Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, and put him with his buddy Tua, who he looked really good with the year and a half they played together. Now we're rolling, but yeah, we're giving up thirty a game, right? So right. we I better mean, be rolling hardcore, like. Not like greatest show on turf Ram style, and then and then by the time it's mid season and you are giving up that points, nobody's going to remember that that you took that that wide receiver. They're going to be bitching that your defense sucks. Like, well, where right, where right. were you in late April when we could have taken a defensive guy because you knew our defense was going to be bad? But short term memory. Don't, if you take, don't if you that. take a fat guy in the top ten, the fans hate it because it's not sexy and it's not that interesting. Right. It's, they're the guys that win and lose all the games, other than the quarterback. They're the most important people, but, but nobody wants not flashy. Nobody wants your team to draft the fat guy. No, 
It's just dog. Yeah, absolutely. Corners, not. safeties, wideouts, r- running edge, backs. Edge rushers. You know? Yeah. People right. would much rather that they, they you drafted Najee Harris than yes. Penny Sewell. Which doesn't make any nope. sense in today's NFL. But when I buy the new Madden, I get to play with Najee Harris. I don't get to play with Penny Sewell. Right. You just see the ranking and you're like, well. I just well, run a play and I see that he broke his leg and he's out for the year now. That's, that's all you see with your lineman. That's it. <laughs> um. Brian Gutekunst apparently made some comments today. I didn't catch him. I was yeah, I was, was reading a little bit on Twitter. I knew he he, he, he was asked conference. about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and uh, I I heard it on the radio when I was driving home. Apparently, you know, it wasn't much, but the media is going to take it and run with it. He said Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback for the foreseeable future. So obviously, That's leaving a- that into interpretation that's a lot or a little yeah i mean how, however far enough you want whatever, to see. whatever that means i i think you know there was some rumblings we talked about it last week uh of some possible rogers demanding a trade here around draft time i think we can put all that to bed i yes. think that was uh, I, I a lot of crap gave, anyway gave that any consideration you and i have both always maintained he's going to be a packer this year yes and then at the end of the season win or lose the super bowl um they'll make their decision but you know, I was thinking about just Rodgers today and, you know, um, whether or not he finishes with the Packers. I mean, the Packers have had every opportunity to come out and say they want him to retire a Packer, and they haven't. Nope. And Rodgers, while I think he would probably like to retire a Packer because it's cool, it's good for your legacy, all that stuff, you're kind of, you know, especially with a team as old as the Packers, like kind of being the living icon because – Let's face it, all the guys from the 60s are pretty much gone, yes. and Favre, every time he talks, he pisses off half the country. So, And not only that, but you don't want to be the guy who spends you know 15 years there or whatever, and then when he gets to be too old, they chuck him to the curb. Well, That's, Nobody wants that asterisk sure. at the bottom of your bio. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and the question then is for Rodgers, where can you go ne- – in 2020, what, the 2023 season, I guess it would be? Yep. Um, where can you go that you can immediately step in and have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl? And, and it may, you know, the Packers may say at that point, we're done with you. I'm just kind of looking around the league like, well, who's good that needs a quarterback? Who's, like, on the precipice? Would Jerry Jones trade 28 28- year old Dak for 39 year old Rogers I, I don't even think he would do that no I don't think so you know is just for one for one for one, for one, one chance yeah. I don't know that he would do that maybe no. he does because he's old too and he just says screw it I want I want all these that I can possibly get But how many franchises are willing to do that I mean like that's a good question because Brady was a free agent right big difference he got to decide, okay, I see all the things down in Tampa. I like that. I want to go there. Rodgers isn't probably going to get that decision. It's well, going to be like the Favre thing where they shipped him to New York. And you got, you have to admit that Tampa Bay was very, very easy at acquiescing to what probably Brady's suggestions were. Hey, Antonio Brown's out there. Hey, I can call Gronk. Would you be cool with him coming down? And they were sure. probably like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. Sure. But everybody you know? was also looking at that team going, if Jameis Winston doesn't throw 30 picks, right. that's a playoff team. Right. All we need is somebody to not do that, and that was Brady. I'm just saying with a guy like Rodgers, like, 
If Roethlisberger retires, do you look at Pittsburgh and go, okay, great organization, huge tradition. Awesome Are they right yeah. there? You know, does, does the Arizona Cardinals, do you trade 27-year-old Kyler Murray for one shot with Rodgers? I don't think you, you know, can. Are the Raiders close? I'm just spitballing, just looking around the league going, man, there's not that many spots to go. No. No, and, and I mean, and who knows? A lot can change over the course of a season and a half. You know, and people would um, say you're crazy to say that he was the MVP of the league. Any team in the league would want him. I don't think that's the case. I just don't. I don't think they would upset the apple cart. No, I don't think you're going to mortgage your how the much next you've, decade. Yeah, and how much you've invested on a guy, and you're just going to say, "Well, we've built all this up to what it is, but we got a chance to go for it now with this guy, and then we're going to have to hit the reset yeah, button it, afterwards." It, this isn't the this isn't the Manning Broncos, right? You know, this isn't that Viking team with Favre. You got and you got to remember, Favre had to go somewhere else to get there. Packers were not going to do him no. the favor, yes. of, and they didn't want to trade him in the division. So, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things that's interesting to speculate about because I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And he might just to say, like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to retire. Yeah, if he well, gets, like, if like, he, like, why would I bother with this? If Hollywood is knocking. Yeah. Well, it may not be Jeopardy. It might be something else. Right, because you know? he's now going to be immersed into that he's world. Gonna marry, he's engaged to a, an actress. Right. I mean, that's that's where he's going to – he's not going to be hanging out at Buck games <laughs> after he retires. He's right. going to be at more like a Laker game. Right. Because he's going to be out in California. Mm-hmm. So – all right. Um, you want to run through the the, the Gronk? Oh, did you see? Did you see? Oh, did you see the helicopter? Yeah. What, so Gronk set a doing? world record. What? what? I thought it was pretty great. Arizona uh, has uh, for their spring game. They had Teddy Bruschi come back to coach one team and Gronk come back to coach the other. And of course, Gronk being Gronk, he can't just do that. So he comes out in full gear, helmet, pads, <laughs> full gear, and. <laughs> They set a Guinness Book of World Records. They dropped a football from a helicopter, and I think it was 600 feet straight down. And uh, he caught it. I don't know how many takes it took, but he caught it. <laughs> um, I mean, that ball had to be moving like oh 150, 200 miles an hour. Um, yeah, probably faster than the jugs machine, yeah. I would guess. But I don't know. It's Gronk, man. I mean, got to he, do something. He, he's a big meathead, but yes. he's but he's fun. He's harmless fun. And and I'm sure the players loved oh, having they, him back I mean, and, those and doing kids that were stuff. Losing right. their mind. Yeah. That's that was awesome. Um, one thing I wanted to hit on uh, Ryan Rosillo's podcast. I listen to it periodically, and he's had a segment the last couple of weeks where he's got some dudes on to tell their their favorite draft story about themselves. And he had a couple guys on. He had Trent Dilfer, Danny Cannell, uh, Jonathan Vilma, Daryl Johnson, Doctor J. Um, pretty cool stories about each of those guys. Um, Danny Canals was really long, so I won't get into that one. But um, two that were interesting, the Dr. J one, uh, most people don't realize he was actually drafted by the Bucs, uh, I believe in 1970, um, the year after the Bucs drafted uh, Kareem. Kareem. So um, Dr. J, it's a weird story because the NBA was so, such a mess back in those days. He... Him and his agent, he just signed with the Atlanta Hawks after the season or after college. So he just went down to Atlanta and, like, signed a contract with them and joined their team and was playing and, and shit and thought he was on the Hawks. <laughs> well, then the draft happened, and the Bucks picked him. The Hawks had the fifth pick, didn't pick him, which makes no sense. They didn't pick him, they said, because they had already signed him. But then the Bucks pick him 13th, and 
the Bucks they have to go to like arbitration or whatever, and the Bucks end up winning because they held his rights. Well, he didn't want to go to Milwaukee, so he just went to the ABA and played there for okay. five or six years, and then joined the Sixers. So the Bucks could have had Kareem and oh Doctor J. God. Whether or not they still end up with Oscar Robertson the next year, who knows? Um, and it's all kind of interesting because the 50th anniversary of the Bucks winning the championship is right now. So there's been a lot of stuff in the paper recently about it. So that was interesting. But the Dilfer one was fascinating. Okay. So the Mel, remember the Mel Kuyper uh, fight on draft night he got into with the, the Colts, Colts GM. GM. Yes. Okay. He says, it was who about, the hell's Mel Kuyper? It was about Dilfer. Yeah. Okay. He goes, so, I'm still going to be doing this, and he probably will not. And I think that guy got fired in like in the next year or two. So the Colts had the second pick, and they took Falk. Then they had the fifth pick. They wanted to take Dilfer. And Dilfer, his agent, Dilfer says his agent convinced Dilfer, you do not want to go to that franchise. They're a disaster. And he wasn't wrong. They were a disaster at the time. So they said, listen, if you pick us, he's, he's just going to go back to school. He's not coming out. So the Colts end up picking Trav Alberts, and that's when that whole kerfuffle happens. And then Dilfer obviously ends up getting picked later on and goes to Tampa. But it's isn't that really fascinating, though, if you think about it? Like, talk about a sliding doors moment in the NFL history. If he gets drafted five to Indy, where does Peyton Manning go the next year? Because the Colts probably, probably don't have the number one pick. No, they're 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 going to win a few more games. And if it's Dilfer in Indy and Manning goes somewhere else. Colts probably don't trade Marshall Falk for Edger and James. So does Marshall Falk ever end up on the greatest show on turf with right. Kurt, Kurt Warner or that Rams. whole thing? Like, yeah. And then does Kurt Warner even happen? And then do the Cardinals even – like, That's a isn't hole that crazy? That like, opens up like – Trent Dilfer's refusal to go number five to the Colts in 97 – Change the next twenty years of football. You're talking about like that's crazy. The, like the Avengers alternate realities but and like, stuff like that's that. Like, yeah, that's the draft stuff that interests me. Yeah, like who gets picked seventh on Thursday? There's a fifty fifty chance that dude doesn't even get a second contract in football. Right, and you know what? Nobody's gonna remember it in 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 a year or two. No. But what's interesting is that kind of stuff. Right. Where it's like Back everybody thinks Dilfer, ah, Dilfer, he sucked. Dude, Dilfer was really, really good in college. Good enough to be a top five pick if the Colts had taken him there. If him and Marshall Falk play together for 10 years, maybe they win a Super Bowl there. I don't know. Right. Does Peyton Manning end up on Dallas? Right. Who was bad back I, then? I, I don't even, like, what, yeah. does Jerry Jones go, oh, Troy's old. Let's trade up for Peyton Manning? I, like, who knows? It's just fascinating to go back and, and think about that stuff. And I thought the the thing Rusilla was doing to just tie it back together was kind of cool to get these guys on to talk about some of this shit that well, nobody ever knew. Right. Like Danny Cannell talked about Dan Reeves and Ernie Acorsi. Dan Reeves was the giant coach mm-hmm. at the time, and Acorsi was, was the GM along with George Young. Dan Reeves did not want to draft a quarterback because had, he had his boy Tommy Maddox. <laughs> and, the, and the general managers won out, and they ended up drafting Cannell in like the fourth round, and then Cannell ends up, you know, being boys with Reeves and gets to go play on the Super Bowl team in Atlanta the year they went with the Dirty Birds. Mm-hmm. But it's just like these these stories are nuts. Jonathan uh, or Daryl Johnston said the Dolphins had told them they were going to pick him, and then they didn't. And then somebody else said they were going to pick him, and then they didn't. And he had never even talked to the Cowboys, and they picked him. 
And then look what happens. Okay, here's one to blow your mind even more. So let's say that the Colts get Dilfer, yeah. and then they aren't as bad. Yeah. And then let's just say for argument's sake, the number two team that year is now the number one team. Yeah. You know who was taken number two behind Manning? Yeah, Ryan Leaf. Right. Who went to the Chargers. Right. So now the Chargers get Peyton Manning. Or do and, they? Or Because do, Eli didn't want to play in San Diego, so why would Peyton? Well, that was, I mean, it was after, but that's, hey, you no, know, you're I, right. I, I, okay, it, so it, then. Do who, you, was, who was third? The Cardinals. Okay. Well. And, and they took uh, Andre Wadsworth, and then you got Woodson to the Raiders at four. So, I mean, you could, could probably Peyton Manning become a Raider? Right. And then eventually, somehow, when Moss gets traded to the oh Raiders, is it Manning and Moss? Like, you can do this shit all day. It's fun. <laughs> you know? That's the that's the fun part of the draft for me. I do, I do it with the NBA all the time. I look at the Bucks and go, Joe Alexander? What? <laughs> right. What? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Kind of fun. Is, we're almost an hour into just NFL stuff, yeah, so let's... Wow. We, the, so we'll blow so much for, for not having much uh, well, prepared on a, on a minutes, so so. short notice. Yeah, um, yeah go uh, go ahead and get on get on well, some buck stuff because they're coming off a pretty rough loss in Atlanta. Yeah, thirty seven and twenty three, three and a half games back. They're in the three seed. They're two games behind Philly for the two seed. Um, really had an opportunity this week to do some nice things and move up the standings. They beat Philadelphia twice. Um, That's pretty big. Right, Ben Simmons didn't play the first game, um, and then the second game, uh, Embiid and Simmons both did not play. Oh, I didn't know he was out um, the second game too. So the Bucks are three and zero against Philly this year, but they haven't faced them at full strength yet. Which I really shrug my shoulders at and say, "I that's not my problem if I'm the Bucks." Okay, um, you know, show up. I mean, I mean, it seemed like the players all from their comments they 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 really liked it, and they were like, "This is." This is what you want to play for, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, the Bucks were fired up. Potential playoff series. It seemed like they were. They were up ten nothing immediately on that game on Thursday, and and they never looked back. But then last night, um, you know, they lay a, they lay an egg in Atlanta. They give up forty one points in the fourth quarter, lose one twenty to one oh nine. Um, you know, playing a back to back third game in four nights. Um, they're they're about to hit a brutal stretch of games here. the The end of the season now is is. The NBA really did a disservice to the players. They've packed so many games here at the end. It seemed like after the All-Star yeah. break, and it seemed like I mean, the Bucks have been on the road for oh, I know. a long they time. They played a lot of games in a short time. they got seven games in the next ten days starting uh, tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. I really think that this playoff could just kind of be survival of the fittest. Who's left standing? I mean, Brooklyn, I mean, Kevin Durant, can't play like two games in a row without something happening. Harden hasn't been able to get back on the court. Kyrie's and is a nut job, so who knows with him? You know the Lakers are banged up. They're starting. You know Anthony Davis is back, but he's limited. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be fun to kind of watch the standings here going down the stretch to uh, to see where everybody ends up. Um, you know the 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 play in game scenarios. You know, these teams are not title contenders by any means, but some of the matchups could be really fun. Like, we could see Westbrook and Beal for the Wizards against Miami in one of the games. Um, You know, there's a possibility of Steph Curry and Zion playing in one of these games. Okay. Um, John Zion playing in one of these games in a one-game scenario. So, there's some fun 
matchups, possibly. I'm not sure I still love the play-in scenario. We'll, we'll see how it unfolds here. Um, but I, I just I would love to see the Bucks get that two seed. I don't think they can catch Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's going to end up with the one. Um, but it'd be nice to have home court on Philly in the second round. You know, if you end up, I think that would be a very difficult, long series for the Bucks because Philadelphia is very big and very good defensively. I think that would possess uh, pre- present some problems. And Embiid's a hell of a player. Just, he's a load, and he's going to have a couple of monster games. So it'd be nice to have that that last game at home. Um, Giannis cracked the 12,000-point mark. I didn't even see that as, yeah. a, as a footnote or um, anything. I believe he passed Big Dog. Oh, to, really? to become number two now. He's only behind Kareem. Kareem's around 14 5. He'll be um, there, I would think. Yeah, Giannis and, and Big Dog both did it in eight years. Kareem, I believe, did it in five. Um, but that just tells you what kind of a machine okay. Kareem was. I mean, he was he walked into the league averaging 28 a game. Uh, but pretty cool for Giannis. Um, he will, he's going to end up holding every buck record. He's going to go down as. Uh, Probably the greatest buck of all time, but not the greatest buck player of all time, yep. if you can understand my difference yep, absolutely. there. Um, but uh, pretty pretty cool moment to see. And, you know, my boy Big Dog, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle there because <laughs> yeah. that, that team never, you know, they had that one run, yep. and then they kind of petered out, and then he got traded. But um, That was Philly in the final. Yeah. The Eastern Conference round yeah. But Big Dog, man, that dude, he, uh, he walked in and walked out of the NBA uh, a 20-point scorer. And he played ten years. Um, he was kind of the that era. I, I always kind of like him to that era as Carmelo, a little less athletic than Carmelo, but you know, you get him in that fifteen, eighteen foot range, it's it's a layup. <laughs> so, uh, and then lastly, I saw Steph Curry set a record. Uh, he's he's nuts. <laughs> he's made eighty five threes in April, which broke uh, Harden's record from a couple of years ago of eighty two. Um, Curry's averaging 38 a game in April. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, he's had a couple games where he's hit 10, 11 threes. Well, I saw now he's pulling up from, like, probably, what, third court? Yeah. Something like that. I heard Ted Davis today say he's the greatest shot maker maybe ever. I take a little bit of issue with that. Uh, I don't. I think he's the greatest shooter and especially deep shooter we've ever seen. Okay. In terms of shot making, Kobe and, and, and Michael Jordan are – the, the degree of difficulty that they played with, I think, is a little different. But we will never see anybody like this again. Um, people, many will try to imitate. Oh God, yes, they already are. You see, Dame Lillard, Trey Young, some of these guys pulling from deep. But the consistency that Curry has been able to do it with, coupling that with, I mean, his ball handling itself is second to none. And then you factor in that you have to literally guard him as soon as he crosses the timeline. Right. Um, it's 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 pretty amazing, pretty amazing. And to right. think there's another sliding door, could have been a buck. Oh yeah, there's another but, one. You know, if if that trade had happened, if they'd have got him instead of Monte, um, probably don't have Giannis. So you know, there's there's there's, there's, there's a give and take down there. The rabbit hole where yeah. you're gonna see what. What would have happened that would have affected future outcomes? Yeah, but right. uh, we're winding down. Playoffs yeah. are in a couple of weeks. I mean, Middleton said something after the game after and, the game yeah. last night about about the the 
I think it was like 12 or 14 games in 23 days or something like yeah. that. And it's Well, we talked about it last week. That I, it. I think the Bucks they were geared up to play Philly because mm-hmm. they wanted to send a message. But I think for the most part, these guys are just get me to the end of the season. We've basically had six weeks off since last April. Right. I mean, it's, you know, we need we just let's just get going for sure. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's well let's wrap up with a little baseball. I'm I'm kind of curious because it's it was all the the talking head, um, sports radios, TV show stuff today, and we'll kind of wrap on that because I'm kind of curious on your thoughts. But we'll we'll start with the Brewers. They played the Cubs three times. They beat them three times. They've won uh, two out of three each time, and they're playing ten more times during the rest of the season. That's it. They played nine out of nineteen. Already, um, and I mean you can't question the success of the road trip. I mean a sweep in San Diego was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I mean I mean considering what what Musgrove did, and they were still able to eke out a victory um, when he set. Uh, I think I don't know if it was a career high, but I, mean, I think it was a season high in strikeouts. And Milwaukee still managed to get one uh, out of him. And then you go to Chicago, and yeah, you get your doors blown off in one game. But you come back and again you get good pitching performances and clutch hitting, and that's that's they're still doing it with all these guys that are injured, and it's amazing that they're. But you just it's like I just keep waiting for okay is every gonna you know is everybody gonna lose their luster at the same moment, and all of a sudden it's gonna go flat, or are you gonna have these pitchers that are gonna keep them in games? Can they stay healthy enough? Can they stay dominant enough? I don't want to think like that as a Brewers fan because I want to just like, I just want to sit back and be like, this is going pretty well so far in spite of all these injuries. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, I, I, I'm not really concerned about the starting pitching. I mean, Brad Anderson found a new way to get hurt. Um, <laughs> right. You know, usually it's it's his blisters. This time it was a knee thing. Um, and no, then Lindblom came in and absolutely got shellacked because he's garbage. I saw a, um, a quote from and Dario. And he's now hurt again. Yeah. I saw a quote from Dario where the Lindblom decided to to take one for the team by well, going in. And I was just like, well, how Lindblom he, didn't decide that. That's what I mean. I'm like, <laughs> what did he do told, that on purpose? He got told you're going in. Right. He did, he did a nice job of eating up some innings in a game that was pretty much decided when he got in. Right. Um, I mean, but, they were up eleven to nothing after two innings. Yeah, but he's no good. He pitched in Korea for five years for a reason, whatever. But the you know, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, and to a lesser extent Hauser. I'm pretty confident all four of those guys are going to give you a quality start each and every time out and keep you in the game. It's the offense. It's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really, 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 you know. Captain Obvious got to get Yelich back in the lineup. Yes. He, he's, you know, it, he is now morphed into the Braun role. And I always said this about Braun. It, it, it's just different when he's there. Every, for, for sure. You have to pitch everybody around him differently. You're, you're, the, the other team manages his bullpen differently. You got to have Yelich in the lineup. And, you know, the back thing sucks. It's scary. He can linger. Um, it doesn't sound like it's anything super serious, but it doesn't MRI. matter if you have a bad yep. back. It's really hard right. to be at your best. Whether it's whether it's muscles, whether it's the vertebra, whatever. Yeah. That's one of those things that is not an easy fix, 
and it can crop up at any time. Right. It's like it doesn't just say, oh, well, I had a bad back, but now I'm just fine for the rest of the season. That's not usually the way no. it goes. So yeah. they did an MRI. There was no, there was nothing that they were overly concerned about. And then I read a tweet from one of the national talking heads this morning that says they're hoping to get him back and going by the end of the week. That would be nice. So that, right, that would be a little bit. The, yeah, you got yeah. the Dodgers coming in. Correct. Tennessee. You'd like yes. to have him for that. But, you know, Kane, I, th- this is not surprising to me. The guy's played like five games in you, two years. You said that He's right old. from the beginning. Uh, I don't know that he even, I don't even know how much his heart is in playing baseball anymore. I just think he's getting paid so much that he's he couldn't walk away. I'm fine with Jackie Bradley Jr. Just, just being the everyday guy. Um, I, the guy Started in center field for a World Series champion. He's fine. Um, you know, Wong coming back is is, is big. That yep. it helps solidify the middle of the of the uh, defense there. And his bat has got going a little bit as well. But um, you know, Shaw's cooled off. Yes, Garcia is cooled off substantially. He didn't even have a hit on the road trip. Really, he was um, an over. I yep. didn't even know that. Um, and then he made the cardinal sin in baseball yesterday of dogging it, going to first base, and having the Cub player just drop his pop up and turn it into an easy double play. Anytime you're getting called out by Schroeder like that, you know things aren't great. Um, I still don't know what the hell is going on with Hira. He just can't string anything together. It's it's a lot of uh, a hit here, a hit there. Um, Urias, eh. You know, he had a nice hit yesterday, but I heard today if the Brewers didn't have that big ninth inning yesterday, they would have actually, if they'd have won one to nothing, they would have actually been outscored on the road well, Of course, trip. by one game. Yeah, which in, is crazy. Yes. Um, but it just tells you that the offense has not been clicking. They've been really winning with great pitching. I mean, what Burns has done to start the year, what is it, like 40 Ks, no walks? No, no walks, yep. Um, it's the best in starting starting pitcher uh, in like 100 years. Right, and he set the record with 30 strikeouts, and yeah. now he's all the way up to 40. So um, he's been phenomenal. You know, Woodruff, I was thinking about it today. I think Burns has the better stuff. I think he he Burns has got the stuff where like any night he could go out and throw a no-hitter. But, but Woodruff is the number one. He's the ace. He's just got that. Like le- yesterday, he's just the bulldog. They asked him in the pregame, you know, after everything that went on the last time you played the Cubs, this is probably just another game, right? And he just said, nope. And that's kind of what your your bulldog is supposed to do. Like he's the streak snapper. He's the guy that you don't want to mess with if you're the other team and you have to face that guy. So well, And you got him a first inning lead. Yeah. So you have that at the front of your rotation, and you've got Peralta who can be dominating himself. He's going to be up and down because he's young. And Hauser um, is is an adequate fourth guy. So, you know, they got the Dodgers coming into town this weekend, and you're going to find out a lot about the pitching, I think, there. You're going to face probably the best lineup in the National League, and you're going to face probably the other best pitching staff in the league. So can the Brewers generate enough offense to win – three to two and can the pitching keep the Dodger defense in that two to three run range to give this struggling offense a chance. We'll see. Be fun. I, I may be at the game Saturday. I'm I'm really? I'm, I'm hoping so. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I had something I it's was Burns is on track to start, which would hopefully make it a quick game. So Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. It just left, and and now it's back. Devin Williams has been getting a little bit more, and he seems to be – I'm not going to say going rounding back into form, 
but you're seeing a lot better stuff than you did earlier. He kind of looked like he lost some confidence there for a couple games, and then especially when he popped Contreras in the head. And and to the Cub fans, you see what happens? You see how you actually act as a baseball team when you accidentally get hit in the head like Robertson did yesterday? Right. You just move on with life because you know people don't throw at people's heads. That's how you conduct yourself. But anyway, um, yeah, it's nice to see him kind of get back in the flow because, I mean, if you're going, if you're getting six out of Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, and you, and you're getting the eighth inning with Williams, and you got the ninth inning with Hater, you only got to cover that seventh inning, right? And now you got a lot of options. You got Rasmussen, you got Fireson, you got Suter. Um, it's it's a nice problem for Council to have, and if the Brewers can get right, this pitching staff has the potential to be probably the best we've seen since 2011 when they won the division, when they had Gallardo, Markham, and Granke at the front. You had Randy Wolf, and then you had uh, Axford and K-Rod at the back end. So, um, I, you know, cautiously optimistic at this point, 13-8. and eight. They're two games up. It's early. Uh, I think they – we haven't played the Reds yet. I think the Brewers are clearly the best team, especially if they start hitting. Uh, but Reds have lost there's 130 in games left. That's so right. it's <laughs> You're taking a sample size of three yeah, weeks, and exactly. we're, not, we're not really. And, and, you know, like I said to my dad, I go, you know, they're 13-8, and eight and and they've got one home run out of Yelich and here combined. Right. Imagine if you actually had so, a whole lineup healthy that was actually clicking. I told one of my buddies the other night, I said, I would be – beside myself if I was a Padres fan after that sweep. And he's like, well, why? Because I could tell I kind of offended him when I said that. And uh, I said, uh, well, Jace Peterson and Billy McKinney and Omar Narvaez just kicked your ass. Right. Yeah, right. you got your pitching shut you down, but those dudes were hitting bombs off you. Wasn't Yelich and Hira and Shaw. Billy McKinney. So, yeah, I mean – you know, tip your hat to those guys. They've, they've produced, and that's that's what you want. The Brewers bragged about their depth. It's showing. Um, it's nice to see Corey Ray get a call up. He had yep. a monster at bat on Saturday when he took that walk. Kind of got everything rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to see for him. Chicago kid got to have the debut at home. That's cool. But, um, you know, they got options. You know, Garcia, you don't want to leg one out. Got Corey Ray and Taylor we can throw right, out we'll, there. We'll, we'll get somebody who's hungry know. for playing time. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a lot out of nothing yeah. that we had planned coming in. So thanks to uh, thanks to Lauren you'll for have jumping some, on. You'll and, have some creative editing to yeah, do when you we'll, get home. We'll, so. we'll take care of all this to do in post-production. Uh, but thanks to Lauren for jumping on for draft stuff. Uh, yeah, and, you know, are you going to tune in? Because you're not normally well, a, a huge think, draft guy. Think. Thursday? Uh, the Bucks play Thursday, I believe, at, against uh, Houston. Yep. Um, so I'll probably be flicking back and forth. Yeah, I, I'm not going to. I would never sit and watch the whole well, draft. Course, but you're going to switch on the when the Bears picks, get, get going. You know, and, and like everybody else, I'll be on my phone and Twitter, if yeah. there's trades that pop up. But yeah, I'm definitely. We'll tune in for the Bears, and if I'm still awake for the Packers, if if they end up picking. Jesus, I remember that last year. I don't even want to get into it. Well, and if and, and you know everybody that listens, you know, let us know where you guys watch the draft, right. or even if you do or you don't. Right. I I I would be curious. 
I, I honestly would because I know there are people that might not be as hardcore, but at least would be interested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. That will do it for this week. Thank you for uh, listening, downloading, subscribing. And you're going NFL Network? I am. Is that is that the only other option? ESPN or NFL Network. Okay, then. well, then I guess that's where I'm going that's to. Because <laughs> I can't do my green. No, me either. Uh, appreciate you listening. I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And we will talk to you next time. Go Bucks. Go Brewers. <laughs>